The following Knowledge at Wharton podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Kristen King and Kate Brubacher are founding members of Liberian Widows Initiative Incorporated, an organization to aid women devastated by the Liberian Civil War. LWI provides small business loans and savings accounts to members of the extreme poor, Liberian refugee women who struggle to feed their families and send their children to school. LWI was an outgrowth of Brubacher's residence in West Africa during 2004-2005. Brubacher is now at Yale Law School, and King is a second-year MBA student at Wharton. King and Wharton management professor Keith Weigelt talked to Knowledge at Wharton about the challenges of running a grassroots microfinance initiative several thousand miles away. Kristen, thank you for coming. Keith, thank you for coming. Can you tell us a little about the Liberian Widows Initiative? It's a nonprofit that was started about two years ago as a result of um, seven months spent in Ghana by my best friend Kate. Uh, she went there to document the stories of Liberian refugees. Um, In 1990, the United Nations um, made an agreement with the Ghanaian government to start a refugee camp outside of Accra um, in order for Liberian refugees to to flee there. It began with around 5,000 people originally, and now there's around 40,000. So the camp is stretched. So she spent seven months there meeting with widows and documenting their stories in terms of... um, the majority of them had seen their families killed in front of them. And so when she got back, and, and while she was there, I spoke to her literally every day. So when she got back, we determined that there was no reason why we couldn't help from here. So um, we started fundraising and decided that microfinance would be the most effective tool um, to help these women. So we have a contact there that we trust, and we pay a monthly salary. And he he runs a program for us on the ground, collects applications from women, um, and if we deem the project feasible, we'll we'll fund a business. Where do you get the funds? Um, it's a variety a variety of ways. <laughs> um, one of the difficulties we found in microfinance, but um, it's a collection of grants um, from family friends, from wealthy donors. Um, a lot of it's just getting the word out and people believing believing in the cause and seeing the direct need. So none of it's from the government? None. Uh, what kind of projects have you been uh, funding, and could you tell us a little bit about the volume of activities that you've carried out so far? Sure. So um, it's, it's pretty simplistic, um, the, the kinds of projects that are being um, funded but are a result of the direct need. Um, it's the, the camp itself is rather self-contained, so there is a... a a mini, I guess, market environment there, if you will. And so there's no running water, there's no plumbing, and there's no electricity within the camp. So things as simple as, simple as purified water is a basic need that people don't have. So um, several of the most successful projects have been women who rent tanks and um, buy purified water and then sell it, or else meet trucks out at the road buy purified water from there and sell it. Um, other things have involved um, rice stands or just produce in general. Oil for cooking has been big. And then there's been a few uh, reused secondhand clothing stands as well. Um, so you term this microfinance because in the, in the, by definition, these are very, very small loans to very poor people. Is that basically why you're using that term? 
Um, sure. So it's 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 a lending process. We have a group loan system in place. Um, the women must apply in groups of five. They have weekly meetings to discuss issues that they've run into, um, as well as it, it's it's an opportunity for community as well. So it's a unique endeavor because it's post-conflict microfinance is, is how is how we think about it in terms of these women have lived through heinous crimes. And so part of it is the community rebuilding aspect as well and kind of rebuilding self-esteem. So weekly payments are made during these meetings as well. So you obviously have studied Muhammad Yunus's microfinance efforts in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. and this is modeled basically after his program? That's right. Okay. How, how big typically is a, uh, is a loan, and, and how many loans have you made so far? So loans range anywhere from as small as $20 to up to about $200 is, has been our largest loan. Right now we have about 45 loans outstanding, and we're in basically our third round of loans. So we've, we've reached, I'd say, roughly 150. Uh, Mohammed Yunus's Grameen Bank, the repayment of the loans is extraordinarily high, uh, more than 95%. Sure. Uh, what's been your experience so far? So I would note that his rate was not that high when he first started. <laughs> but um, no, right now, currently, in our current round of loans, it's about 60%. So it's it's much lower than we would like it to be. Our goal is 80 and, and part of that just has to do with the, the nature of who we're loan, loaning to and where it's happening. So you have many different kinds of risks. Um, you have a group of people who have been used to receiving aid as, as their primary means of, of existence. And so there's the issue of defining loans versus aid. And then there's also a, a flight risk. So people repatriating to Liberia. Um, that's only happened a few times, but so th- there's there's different risks inherent, and and the people who have been our donors are are aware of that and don't expect a ninety five percent repayment rate. So how do you manage this from here? It's it's difficult, but um, we do it. We we set up a pretty strict set of rules, if you will, with with our contact there. So we employ a man named Isaac um, there, and he he's very good in terms of bookkeeping. He sends us biweekly reports um, detailed in terms of payments made by specific women. And then I maintain an Excel spreadsheet here that keeps track of it. And we speak to him on the phone regularly and email regularly. So this is really grassroots microfinance. Very much so. (laughs) What would you say have uh, been some of the biggest challenges you've faced so far and how have you overcome them? Um. So, so some of, I mean, two of the things that I mentioned before, I mean, well, all of the things we just talked about, actually, I mean, managing it from here effectively. Um, both Kate and I were in Ghana for a little while this summer meeting with the women. And it's incredible in terms of just being, having the physical presence in terms of um, repayments jumped right after that. And um, there was just a lot more activity. So the, the physical presence, I think, helps a lot in terms of morale. Um, so, so that's a, a challenge. The other challenge is, um, I think, just kind of the dependency syndrome in terms of, you know, is this United Nations aid, is this a handout, or is this we're giving you an, a, the opportunity to support your family and, and, to, and to make a difference and to take your life into your own hands. And so um, before loans are made, we make women meet three times, um, discuss the terms, repeat them back. So it should be very clear, but it's still, I think, just having been in the camp for so long, 
I think a part of it becomes ingrained. So I would say those are our largest challenges. A part of the feeling of dependency as opposed to self-entrepreneurship or... Yeah, I think just understanding that that this is a a different means to supporting themselves as opposed to just being given to them. And and fundraising. (laughs) That's that's a uh, ongoing difficulty, but... How did you communicate with the women when you were there? They speak English. Do they? Oh. Where do you see this program going over the next few years? So our goal has certainly never been to become the next Grameen Bank. Um, But our goal currently is to assist in the repatriation efforts um, in Liberia. So the Civil War is obviously finished in Liberia, and they're going through a rebuilding process. But... It's difficult. Um, basically, running water and electricity were just reinstated in Monrovia, the capital, not that long ago. And other microfinance efforts have not f- succeeded. Um, many others have not succeeded so far, just because the unemployment rates are so high. There's just not that much of, a, of an economy. But our goal is to make to continue to operate in the camp as is, and then as people go home, um, establish a base in Liberia, again, very small. Like you said, this is grassroots. Um, but to, to make an effort or to make, a, to make an impact on a small level, right? Our goal is not to change the world, but if, I, the, I guess the way we think about it, if somebody was able to send their children to school and to have two meals a day instead of one, it's a success. So if that's 200 or 2 million, and we're operating on the 200 scale, has it been hard to fundraise, or the fact that Eunice has been in the news so much lately because of the prize, et cetera, has that made it easier because people know more about microfinance now? Um, do you have to explain in depth what you're trying to do, or do people kind of get it? Sure, no, I think I think people get it um, in general. Um, and then I think it's just um, a matter, too, of saying, look, there's, there's virtually no overhead here. Um, I mean, I took probably 150 pictures while I was there, probably 75 of them were of individual women. And people know Kate and I, my, my co-founder, on a, on a personal level, a lot of the people who have given to us, and, and, know that, and know that we're doing our absolute best with this. So, so far, that's been the major source um, in terms of, of grants, et cetera, that we've, got, that we've gone for as well. It, it, that's more difficult just because... Um, do, trying to do this in a refugee camp and in a very uncertain area in Liberia, it's just it's not as safe of a of an investment, if you will. So so people have understood that it's um, a different kind of investment. But but I would note though too that part of the reason why we did this is because it's just a different level of poor. So there's groups like Opportunity International in Ghana that will only lend to already economically viable businesses. You have to show that you're already doing something, and then they'll kick in. But this is the extreme poor. I mean, less, less than a dollar a day, maybe a meal a day, even eating. So it's, it's, it's a different ballgame. Do most of these women have children with them? So most do, um, that have since most of them lost their husbands and, if not all, several of their children um, during the war. But most of them have since either remarried or else have children that, that survived. So what are you going to do when you graduate? <laughs> so a little bit of a different, different twist, but um, I'm actually uh, going, I'm going to be an emerging market corporate debt analyst. So I'll, I'll still have the tie to emerging markets, but on a little bit of a different front. So 
I'm just wondering, Keith, what's your take on all this? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I mean, I think uh, it's it's very courageous for someone to uh, establish a uh, operation like this. And the fact that she, uh, you know, took out of her, you know, summer to go there and uh, everything. And, uh, you know, I always said microfinance is sort of the good side of uh, capitalism. And I think we're showing a good side here. In terms of the economic model uh, that uh, Liberian Widows Initiative has, how do you see that compared to other microfinance initiatives you see worldwide? Well, it's probably how most microfinancing uh, initiatives start with grants, small grants, and uh, you know support. And even in the entire industry, we're seeing an uh, evolution just now of you know them getting sort of off the grant. Uh, uh, you know, breadline and onto, you know, a for-profit and being efficient and so forth. So, you know, that's an evolution that's just, you know, beginning across the entire industry. Uh, lately, there have also been uh, a number of venture capitalists, like, say, Vinod Kosla, for example, who was one of the founders of Sun Microsystems. Uh, people like that have entered the microfinance arena. Would you uh, believe that initiatives like this could benefit from a greater infusion of venture capital? Yeah, if the venture capitalists d didn't want the uh, huge return that, that they're generally uh, used to. Um, there's a lot of social good they uh, could be doing, uh, and a lot of them are doing it. But again, there's this huge need, and uh, the, the need is barely being fulfilled. Is it, I mean, I don't mean to suggest that this is a trend or a fad, but microfinance has become, you know, a much more more often spoken word in our economy these days. And I, I keep coming back partly to, it's because of Eunice, but do you also think with, with all these um, initiatives going on in Africa with Bill and Melinda Gates and, and uh, Buffett and... Um, other programs that this this is maybe the time for microfinance to succeed if it's ever going to be able to do it. Well, it's probably seen more funds thrown at it than than it's uh, ever seen before. I'm just glad that uh, you know that many of these people take it seriously and uh, and are willing to fund it. I mean, in, in your case, Kristen, you're relying on the goodwill and the efficiency of this one person over there who you're working with closely. I mean, True. So in a, in a way, you're fortunate to have made that connection. Um, how difficult would it be to will it be to sustain that? Sure, and that's that's an issue that we debate daily. <laughs> but um, Isaac has been fantastic thus far, and so he's actually um, been training somebody else as well, who's been doing um, probably about thirty percent of Isaac's work recently. Um, and so to, to help Kate and I both, Kate and I both met him while we were there, but then also to help get him up to speed and help us be comfortable with it so that if we do transition, we have a, a base in both places. And then going forward, um, we've also done a lot of work in terms of, of other partnerships that could possibly be made. Part of the difficulties as well with moving into Liberia is, is registering with the government to have an entity there. Um, and so if you can make partnerships with existing nonprofits, then you can get around some of those those issues. But those are some of the things that we think about in terms of of having a larger base there. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.